So um, the first thing I wanted to say, how's the, how's the sound? Is it okay? Um, is I wanted to uh, make an apology that um, while Gil was giving his talk yesterday, I was sitting, you know, nicely, and then the thought occurred to me, we forgot to chant the precepts. <laughs> you know, someone noticed, some few other people noticed, but um, usually what we do is chant the ref in the opening night ceremony, we chant the refuges, and then we, we recite the precepts or chant the precepts. So I thought, so we've had a day or two days of total free-for-all, <laughs> and uh, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> now we have to repent, and so to atone for that, I thought um, we, could, we could chant the precepts two ways, in English and in Pali. And in Pali is very beautiful. Uh, usually we just recite it in English, but the Pali is very nice chant. So um, I thought maybe that's nice to do uh, at the end of the talk today. That's okay. Um, and the, the second thing I wanted to say is just how nice it's been to sit with you and um, your, your energy, your, your, your practice um, has been inspiring for me. And today to meet some of you in the practice discussions and some of you who I know and practiced together before and some new, new folks. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been really wonderful. And uh, I think what would put it into words for me is feeling the sincerity of your effort. Feel the sincerity of your effort. And for me, that kind of uh, sincerity or sincere effort is the, that's one of the best ways I know to sort of summarize our practice or express our practice. You know, yes, we have techniques and yes, we have different, you know, you can be, you can follow the breath at this place or this place. You can, um, you know, cultivate some wonderful states. And, um, but, but this kind of sincere effort is, is, is something beyond technique. And um, maybe maybe technique is is included within that, but this is bigger than that. This is, you know, uh, more vast than than just some technique to to achieve some goal. So, um, so so something about sincere effort, and um, you know, as, as you. You know, if you're tracking this, you might know that today is the day um, that the topic is effort. Um, for these five faculties, which are um, faith, you know, faith or trust, confidence, um, and effort. Sometimes it's energy. You know, um, then mindfulness, then concentration, and then wisdom. Insight, and um, I, you know, it's it's probably apparent to all of us that um, it takes a certain kind of effort to do this practice. You know, we we sit down with a certain kind of intention, and the mind just does what it does. You know. Um, I have written, how crazy are our minds? <laughs> you know, um, and there is so much momentum, momentum of uh, uh, certain habits and patterns of thinking and all the stuff that fills up our head. Um, I remember early in my practice when I read that a teacher who I really admired, really revered, Suzuki Roshi, you know, the, the teacher, founder of the San Francisco Zen Center, 
had said um, to one of his students, my mind is a garbage can. <laughs> you know, and I thought if Suzuki Roshi's mind is filled with garbage, <laughs> what, you know, what, what, is, what, what about me? Um, so we get a first front row seat of how unruly our minds are and how much, you know, they're filled with all sorts of stuff, good stuff, uh, stuff that's difficult, um, stuff that we don't need, maybe. And it takes effort to um, sort of cut through that or see through that. And um, I think this is the reason that sometimes the practice is called going against the stream. You know, the stream is to just, you know, follow the momentum of our mind, the, the momentum of our conditioning. And so what kind of effort, you know, must it take to actually um, not only resist this, but in some way skillfully divert this stream? Or, you know, it's like... Um, you know, so sometimes at the beginning of the retreat, it can feel a little bit like we're pushing a boulder <laughs> uphill, you know. Um, and so, so sometimes our response to that, so, you know, so again, this is hard, you know. I have this intention to, to follow the breath and um, I, I can stay with one breath or two breaths or three and then the mind just goes off. Um, so how do we how do we respond to that difficulty? Or you know, um, sometimes our response is to try harder, you know, and sort of bear down. And um, but this is this is a little bit of a or maybe a lot of a recipe for frustration. You know, it's like trying to. Um, you know what it's you know it, it's it's a recipe for getting um, flustered and getting disheartened in a way it's like we're trying to control what's in a way not controllable um, so I think that it is a very interesting aspect of this this quality uh, this faculty of effort to um, it's almost like to, rather than um, I mean, another way of saying this is our usual activity, we're focused on doing something in order to make something happen. You know, so we do this in order to get that. And it's like the, um, the there's uh, the we do something as a means to an ends, and and this is okay. And the, and there's a, there's certainly an aspect of meditation that's like this. We're building skills, we're training the mind, right? You know, but um, there's another side of of this, which is that um, not to forget that um, each moment has its own value. And then if we reduce practice to just being um, some tool to get what I think I need to get, then that might be limiting. You know, that might be limiting us. So if I have some particular goal and then I'm really trying to get to that goal. Um, so one of the problems can be that we find that we've climbed the ladder, but the ladder is leaning against the wrong well, <laughs> you know, and, um, and so there's something about practice. There's something about the, the purity of, of Dharma activity that each moment has its own value. And, um, so in a way, the effort needs to be um, aligned with the goal, 
you know, it's like if I, if my goal is to become more peaceful, what kind of effort does it take to become more peaceful? Is it, is it the kind of effort that's, that's um, in conflict, that's, that's agitated, that's pushing, that's mixed up with striving? Um, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's like, um, you know, if, if a quality of peace, if a quality of ease infuses the effort, then, um, then that's going to help us. So that's, 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 that's more aligned with the goal. Um, so we say that like, um, The way I think about it is to resist the impulse that this moment is a stepping stone to some other moment, you know? And it's so easy, that's so in our nature and so in our conditioning that I, I want to get there and I, I'm here and, you know, just got to get through all this stuff and then I'm going to get over there and then I'll be happy. And so, um, yeah, so, it, so it's more like the quality of our effort. And, and if we see practice as almost in a way um, focusing on the effort rather than the results, than the goal, then um, that's really good, I think. That's really good practice. Um, The story I often think about with this is the, um, some of you probably heard me tell this, is the, you know, this is a little bit of a picture of extreme effort in one particular way. That in uh, Rinzai Zen practice, it's uh, common to be given a koan, you know, which is like a question that um, the meditator, the yogi, sits with. And kind of repeats to themselves and, and sort of meditates on. And the idea in, in, a, in a Rinzai Zen Seshin is you meet the Roshi, you meet the master quite often. Like, you know, like we have practice interviews here a few times a week. In these retreats, you meet the teacher five times a day. <laughs> you know, so you go in five times a day and what you do is you give your answer to the to the koan. You give your answer to the question. So uh, one of the one of the common first koans is, um, "Before mother and father, show me your original face." Okay. <laughs> Before mother and father, what is your original face? Show me your original face. So this story, this. Um, the student is on the retreat and he's given this koan and he, um, you know, is kind of left to, to work with it. And, and, and one of the aspects of, of these kind of retreats is there's a lot of, um, of a certain kind of intense effort, you know, so everyone runs around and, you know, like when it's time to go have the interview with the teacher, you run to the teacher and the first person who gets there is the first one who gets to see the teacher and you, right? So, so it kind of has this intensity and you're working and you're sitting and you're, and you're working with your question. So, um, and then when you go in to see the teacher, you, um, offer your answer and, um, the teacher has a bell. <laughs> when he rings the bell, that means you're done. Go. <laughs> and, so, the, so in this account of this practitioner on this retreat, he, um, you know, with a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, he's meditating on his question, you go in, and then you go in and you give an answer, right? You give some, some response. And so he goes into, the first time he sees the teacher, he opens the door. And as soon as he opens the door and walks in, the teacher, ring, 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 rings the bell, out. <laughs> okay. And again and again, he goes back in, you know, 
um, you know, seven-day retreat, right? So he's going to see the teacher 35, 35 times. Um, and each time he goes in, he starts to do something, and then the teacher looks at him and then dun, 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 rings the bell, out. Okay, so he's getting a little more, you know, a little more frustrated, a little more, so that, you know, meditating hard, um, trying hard, um, and really trying everything, you know, going in, screaming, you know, you, you know these kind of things, you, you quickly realize that it's not about figuring it out. It's not some clever word or some answer, but it's, you need to show the teacher something, you know, so he would go in and scream. Ah! <laughs> you know, or go in and cry and we really, you know, like cry his heart out and just, you know, stone, stone face, no, 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 no response. And, um, you know, so trying everything. And as you do this, you know, there's a, there's a way of this, um, this effort, it, it's sort of, it, you're pushing and pushing and pushing and, you know, not really knowing what, but you have to go and present yourself, you know, each time, each time, each time. So trying out these things. Then finally, the day before the retreat ends, he goes in and, you know, whatever, does his, does his thing or says something. The teacher looks at him and ding, 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 rings the bell. And he looks at the teacher and he says, you know, he's just fed up. And he says, um, you're like, screw you. This is bullshit. You know, the teacher looks up and says, getting closer. <laughs> getting closer. Um, that was not my experience. And this is an account I read. But what I love about it is this... Um, I don't know. It's like, you know, we can, we can make a lot of effort in a certain kind of way, but still, um, it's, it's sort of intertwined with ego. It's intertwined with a certain kind of striving or a certain kind of self-consciousness. And in that moment, he just gave up, you know, and he was like, forget it. You know, and in that moment, he took his authority back. You know, he was looking for the teacher to um, approve of him, right? You know, to affirm him. And in that moment, he was like, no, I'm, you know, he, he took something back and something could let go. And maybe something that's more authentic or more real could flow through. Um, and... I mean, so that's a, that's a picture of a certain kind of effort that almost like um, collapses on itself. You know, you, put, you, go, you go to the extreme and then um, the problem isn't that it doesn't work. It's like it almost works and you get, and then, you know, but it, at a certain point, um, it's not sustainable and something can let go. And so, so that's not what we're doing here. We're not, <laughs> you know, we're not trying to push ourselves to the point, to the brink. Um, but, you know, maybe we could say that this request, for example, to be mindful of breathing is a little bit like a colon. You know, it's a little bit like a, um, it's a mystery. It's a riddle, you know, it's, Um, and in, in the sort of, in the effort to do that, um, we learn something and, and something starts to shift and something starts to let go. Um, you know, so it's not so much like once I can be with every breath, then I've got it or then I'm done. It's like, what does it take? What needs to be let go of in order to be just willing to be content and to sit here and be with the breath, you know. Um, so,
So one of the one of the things we discover about effort is that um, it sort of needs to be calibrated. You know, using these other faculties, um, what what you know, when is it wise to um, apply more energy, to apply more, you know, to sit up straighter, to re-engage the breath, re-engage the sensations of the body. And when is it wise to, um, I don't know, let go of this project, this kind of precious project, and really open and get spacious and um, allow something to happen and say to, to myself, this is what the mind is doing right now. And it's fine. It's actually fine. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be with it and um, allow it to do its thing. And so, you know, it takes, it takes mindfulness. It takes um, uh, win- wisdom. Um, it takes a certain kind of, of, of focus to, to really know what is, um, what's needed right now. What's appropriate? What kind of effort is is wise? Um, so that's like refining our effort or calibrating our effort. And then this question of how do I relate to effort? Um, I was thinking about myself and I, I wrote a few, you know, a few types and I can see myself in each of these. But one is like, you know, am I a doer? Doer is someone who, who always wants to be doing something, who always wants to, to um, have some task in meditation. And then if I just have this task and I can, um, okay, fine, now I know what to do. And I can, you know, um, so that's, you know, that's, that's one way that we maybe relate to effort. Another way is the kind of um, perfectionist. You know, is a want to get it right, um, um, and and there's a certain I think baked into that sometimes can be um, a sense that I need to get it right. If it's not perfect or if it's not right, that you know that says something about me that reflects on me in some way, and so. Um, the other one I have here is, is this um, fear of failure. Like maybe it's connected to the to perfectionism, but this idea of um, I'm so uh, reluctant, I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid of failing that I don't want to really try. I don't want to really give my heart to this. I don't want to really, because if I do, and I still can do it, whatever, then what does that mean? You know? So I think we, we, we each have our own relationship to what it means to apply ourselves, to make effort. Um, um, and then this question, what am I making effort towards? Um, I think it's, it's, it's sort of a common idea about meditation, that meditation, or the goal of meditation is to empty our minds. You know, we can get to this place where I'm, I'm free from all these troublesome thoughts and I have this empty, clear mind. Um, and I think there, there can be states like that in meditation, but most of us find that even if we achieve something like that, they're temporary, right? You know. And then the, we have another problem, <laughs> which is holding on to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so another option or the other option is rather than having as a goal to empty out our mind, the goal is something about making peace with the contents of our mind. Um, you know, coming to some kind of equanimity with how, how we are and how things are. And it turns out that we need to have things in our mind, <laughs> you know, to live our life. And, um, you know, and so what's the kind of, oh, that to me, when I, when I remember that, it's like, oh, something can soften. 
And it's a different kind of effort that is, is about um, um, you know, making peace with the mind as it is. This is how it is right now, you know, an opening to that. Um, one of the um, wonderful and um, amazing aspects of awareness is that maybe we can, we can say awareness um, itself doesn't have preferences. So whether I'm aware of the sensations of the breath, whether I'm aware of some, you know, strong emotion, difficult emotion, whether I'm aware of sounds, whether I'm aware of something that's pleasant or unpleasant, awareness itself is, is not, is not bothered by that. Awareness um, is, you know, you'll talk about awareness being independent of what it's aware of. Um, the phrase that, that I often, that comes to mind that I find very freeing around this is a, this idea that the mind is not defiled by its contents. You know, so what does that mean? It's like whatever, whatever arises in the mind is, um, is not going to um, damage who we are. It's not going to stain, you know, it's, it's just something to, um, you know, something, something to see, something to understand. Um, The other image that comes to mind is this metaphor of the movies, you know? And so when we go to the movies, we're usually involved with the movie, right? The story, the plot, the, the people, the, the images, the sounds. Um, but whether it's a funny movie or a sad movie or um, a horror film, <laughs> you know, or whatever, or I won't give every kind of film. Um, <laughs> the white screen doesn't mind. The white screen is not damaged, is not changed, is not, you know, it's like, and the, 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 the plainness of the white screen, the purity of the white screen is what allows these movies to, to be seen, you know? And so maybe in a way that's, that's a little bit of a, you know, so, um, I mean, the reason I mention that is because when I, when I think about it that way, it's like whatever is happening right now in the mind, you know, it's okay. It's, it's, it's just another movie. It's just something to, um, allow to have it, let it come and go and to see its nature, you know? Um, I think this perspective is very helpful in dealing with, um, what we call the hindrances. You know, if you're, you know, I think a lot of you are familiar with, if not the name of the hindrances, you're for sure f- familiar with, <laughs> um, the experience of them, you know, um, the hindrances are um, forces in the mind um, that um, make it difficult for us to be present. You know, so there's, there's, there, there, I guess we can say they're forms of clinging. And the Buddha talked about these five hindrances as being these five really common forms of clinging that are very useful to get to know, because if we get to know them, then we can begin to see them in our experience. And I'm not a big list person. You know, I can't, I couldn't even remember the precepts, right? You know, but <laughs> especially that one. <laughs> but these are really useful to, 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 
sort of just to, to know, to, to, to internalize what they are. Because when we're able to spot them in our experience, um, it shifts something. And then rather than being just as part of me, it's like I can see, oh, this is desire. This is sensual desire. This is doubt. This is a hindrance. And it's something that is not mine, you know, doesn't belong to me. It's, it's something that every, every person who's not, you know, fully enlightened being, you know, experiences these. And, um, so we, you know, we don't take them so personally. We start to, we start to see them as, um, as, you know, as objects, as, as something that, 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 um, are, are, are visitors to the mind. And that, so, so these five hindrances are, um, the first two are in pairs. So, um, desire and aversion or ill will, sensual desire or ill will. You know, I want it or I don't want it. I love it or hate it. Um, the second pair is about energy, you know, um, uh, restlessness and anxiety on the one hand, you know, the energy's out of balance and too, too high. And on the other hand, it's sloth and torpor. The energy is kind of sinking. And then the fifth hindrance is doubt. Um, so especially in the beginning of a retreat, most of us are under what is called a five-pronged hindrance attack. <laughs> you know, it's coming at all angles. And, you know, if it's not some fantasy, then it's some person who really is getting on my nerves and irritation or, you know, I'm getting really um, just restless and can't sit still and you know i gotta uh, you know or it's like all of a sudden we're just exhausted and just uh, i just can't stay awake and it's like um or it's just it's just a, a doubt party of like <laughs> why am i here what is this who is this guy who's speaking he's <laughs> you know um you know, doubt about ourselves, doubt about the practice, you know, so this is, so it's really helpful to name these and to start to see that they're parts of our experience, that they are, um, something that we can work with. And in fact, um, if a hindrance is present, it's really valuable to see it, you know, bring it into mindfulness rather than, than, um, you know, this is something to get rid of so I can get back to the real practice, which is the breath or, or, you know, whatever. It's like we turn towards the, the hindrance itself. So if there's a lot of desire, if there's a lot of, uh, lust or a lot of, you know, um, it's like we can discover that it's possible that rather than this being an obstacle, uh, you know, or some big problem, we can actually make this the meditation. We can turn towards it and we can notice what it feels like to be desiring right now. What is it, what does it do to the body when these thoughts are going on, these images? What is it, um, yeah, what does it feel like? It, it's very interesting to, um, you know, we all love desire right? And we especially like getting what we want. I, I remember some study or something, it was like the peak happiness to do with desire is that moment when you know you're going to get what you want, but you just haven't gotten it quite yet. You know, you're about to eat the cookie. <laughs> and so, you know, it's all downhill from there. It's like, <laughs> and, um, we often don't notice 
you know, with desire, we're so focused on the object of desire. We're focused on what we want, but we don't focus on what does it feel like to be a person who is wanting, who's wanting right now, who's desiring. And when we actually are able to turn, like turn the light around and see that and feel that, it's very interesting. I remember when I, you know, was working with this and I was surprised that it was almost like this, um, there was this sadness about it. There's this kind of sadness that's involved with a sort of compulsive wanting. You know, um, sometimes we want something. We don't even know. There's this energy for wanting that has no, you know, you, you want to buy something. You go, into, you go into a shop, you know, I just know there's something here for me. <laughs> Looking around, something to buy, something to get. Or... Um, yeah, I remember that just a, a kind of a sad sort of, you know, I know everyone now does dating online and on apps stuff, but I'm old enough to be, still remember bars, <laughs> terrible, terrible places. And, but like this uh, kind of like going into, you know, some place like that and kind of looking around, you know, or like want, wanting to connect with someone, want, you know, and, but just feeling that there's a certain kind of, something was out of balance, a certain kind of, you know, just that leaning forward out of myself, not, not grounded, not here. It's like looking to something else to fill me up, to fulfill me. So, so with, you know, desire, um, getting, getting interested in what it feels like, you know, not that, not that desire is necessarily bad, a bad thing, um, but how am I relating to it? And, you know, is there a healthy relationship to it? Um, the other thing I found helpful with desire is to take a closer look at what it is that I think I want. You know, and sometimes if we look closely at it, it, you know, it's not quite what I thought it was. You know, um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting exploration and it can be, you know, without, without a lot of, um, shoulds or without a lot of judgment, you know, it's just explore what's going on here. What is this about? Um, often there's some emotion, something that's fueling, um, a kind of compulsive desire. And, um, anyway, um, and so for each of these hindrances, you know, we, we sort of refine our effort. You know, what is it like to work with it? So aversion, anger, ill will is, um, is painful. You know, uh, anger is, is, is painful, is unpleasant to deal with. And so, um, uh, so what do we do? What do we do if, if, if anger is present? Um, I, I feel this hindrance every time I read the news and, um, you know, open to, to everything that's going on in the world. Um, but I also know that, um, or one of the things that I, I tell myself is that um, anger is like, picking up a ball of fire to throw at someone. Um, you may, you may hurt them, but for sure you're going to get burned yourself. And, 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 um, and so, um, I love this image that a uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, who's, you know, this wonderful Vietnamese Buddhist monk, he talks about anger as a closed flower. And what this flower needs is the light of the sun. It needs the light of our mindfulness and the particles of mindfulness to like infiltrate, to go into this anger and little by little um, open it up, you know, to hold it with a lot of care, a lot of kindness. Um, to re so it's almost this, this idea of taking care of our anger 
that something it's that, you know something needs us you know um, there's some message in there something needs to be felt really felt in the body and listened to and then often i know with myself that anger is um anger is often easier to feel than um what might be underneath it you know so if i you know you know for getting um you know, if, if I'm able to be with these feelings of anger and sit with them and breathe with them and take care of them, find it in the body, really metabolize something, then sometimes I notice that actually um, the anger is, is, is not what's closest. Actually, um, underneath the anger, um, maybe some feeling of fear you know, or some feeling of vulnerability or loss or some kind of wound that actually needs to be um, seen as well and held with a lot of tenderness, a lot of kindness. And, you know, so, um, and when I'm able to, to, to somehow be with that sadness or be with that pain, then there's no more need for the anger anymore. The anger was sort of um, uh, a little bit of a, of a defense against feeling the the sadness. So you know this exploration of of um, getting to the roots of our anger, you know, and and, and really understanding it. Um, working with these energetic hindrances, so. Um, it's really common to, you know, to, we swing between being restless and then being so tired and, um, um, you know, what to say about them. Um, I think with, um, with, with this tiredness, which is, you know, sometimes we're tired because we're, you know, we're doing this physical embodied practice that we're not we're not so used to doing, and so sitting um, in this way, and we have we have sleep debt. We're tired, you know, coming on retreat. So that's really um, to be expected. But sometimes tiredness or this kind of sleepiness or this low energy is a little bit of a strategy to avoid. You know, I. I know for myself that I, in my, in my life outside of here, I get really tired when I have to do something I don't want to do. <laughs> I, you know, my wife was like, did you take out the garbage? Like, well, I'll just do it in the morning because I'm tired, you know, it's just like, um, so it takes wisdom. And, you know, to check in and what is the wise response right now? Sometimes it is, you know, you need to take a rest and take a nap and take care of this body. But sometimes it's like, you know, can I sit up a little straighter? Can I open the eyes and bring some more energy into the system? Um, the other way that I like to work with this hindrance is reminding myself why I'm here, why I'm doing this, and what is my what is my deepest intention? What is you know what is this really about for me? Um, and it's you know to to reflect on the preciousness of life and the preciousness of this time to practice, and and then so, sometimes that can kind of wake wake us up. It's like oh yeah. Um, and then the other side of the coin is feeling restless, feeling um, um, agitated or, uh, you know, a little bit of anxiousness. And, um, you know, it can be helpful sometimes to, to do some fast walking, to sort of let, let something move through the system and sort of recharge your battery. Um, 
restlessness, yeah, or something about cultivating stillness. I find that like even if the mind is is very agitated and very restless, if the body can be still, you know, it's this great support. When the body is still, then sometimes that stillness, it's almost like um, we can perceive the stillness that's in that's that's a part of all the activity of things. Um, and then and then to say something about doubt. This is, doubt is considered um, in some ways the most uh, dangerous, if you can say dangerous hindrance, because doubt it, um, can if we believe our doubt, we can stop practicing. We can give up practice, you know. So it's one of these, you know, doubt is like so seductive. It's like, you can't do this, you know, or, you know, some, some version of that, questioning ourselves, questioning um, the practice. And um, so for doubt, for all of these hindrances, but for especially doubt, it's really valuable to be able to sort of point it out, you know, to say doubt, this is doubt. This is doubt arising in the mind. I remember when I was on retreat and I went into the interview with the teacher and I, I said, you know, I'm doing this practice, but I just really don't feel that this is good for me. It's not a good practice for me right now. Uh, it's, it's not going well. It's this and that. And, you know, I had all these reasons and she just had a big smile on her face. And I, <coughs> And, and she looked at me and she pointed and um, some of you know Carol Wilson who's a teacher in our, our scene she said, she said doubt that's doubt it's like oh that's how you do that <laughs> and I was I, I was so in the story and believed it and it, so it was like it was doubt masquerading as wisdom you know and so to so just, you know, check it out. And um, sometimes it's wisdom, but often it's, <laughs> <laughs> usually it's, <laughs> it's that. <laughs> and um, the antidote to doubt is faith, is trust, is, you know, Gil was talking about yesterday, is, is cultivating you know, brings us right back to the first, the first of these five faculties is um, what, what can I place my heart on? What do I trust? What do I really know is true? What am I confident in? And it may not be, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm completely confident in the um, unsurpassed, complete, perfect awakening of the Buddha. You know, I, but it might be, I'm completely confident in um, that it's better to be more aware and more awake than to be less awake. You know, I'm completely confident in the fact that um, the more moments of presence, of mindfulness, that um, uh, you know that, that there's a that there's a there's a value in each moment of mindfulness, and having more of these moments is better than having less of them. You know, I can I believe that I can trust I can trust that, and um, I I can I have I can trust I have confidence in the fact that um, life is limited, life is impermanent. You know. Um, and um, that it's valuable to find some way of deeply understanding this truth of change. And to, you know, what is it to be deeply um, in, in harmony or deeply uh, um, not in conflict with who I am and, 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 and the, how, the nature of things, that, that, that there's a value in this. You know, so if I can remember this, then 
um, these doubts start to, you know, they're just thoughts. They're just, you know, it's like the, the last gasp of the ego trying to, <laughs> you know, get what it wants, you know, get, you know, and, um, but if we can see it as doubt, then um, we, we, we get some, some distance, some freedom right there, you know, whatever, um, you know, it's like to be mindful of something, to be aware of something, it, 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 it automatically implies some amount of freedom, some amount of choice. And I see it as doubt, then I have a choice. Do I believe it? Or do I, you know, say thank you? Thank you for trying to help me, protect me, but I don't, I don't need you right now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let this thought of, of doubt dissolve and watch it dissolve, watch it dissolve into the silence, into the stillness. Um, I wanted to end with this poem that I really like. Um, and in order to understand it, or one way that I understand it or have some context for it is that um, to say, sometimes the nature of our effort or the kind of effort we make, the quality of our effort is influenced by our picture of this path, our picture of what it is we're doing. And if I have this idea that practice is about somehow changing myself into getting something that I don't have, you know, um, when I just, when I think about that, there's a certain kind of effort that that implies. And it doesn't feel like a very healthy <laughs> effort. It's a sort of, I need to change, I need to be different and get something I don't have. And then what if I don't get it? What if they've got it and I don't? Um, what if I never get it? Um, um, so that's one picture that we can sometimes have a practice that we're, you know, we, we need to, sometimes that's called putting someone else's head on top of our head, you know? Um, and then this other picture of the path is that it's not so much that we're trying to get something that we don't have, but um, we're, practice is about going inside and recovering something that we might have lost, that we might have forgotten about. You know, so there's something within us um, that we're, we're here to return to, to recover, to uncover. And so in this idea, sometimes it's said that rather than we practice really hard and then one day we'll have enlightenment, you know, it's that actually our practice begins with enlightenment. It begins with a kind of awakening. We wouldn't be here if we didn't have this kind of awakening. Maybe it's the awakening of faith. Maybe it's encountering suffering, encountering um, what's difficult, and, ra and, and having this um, insight that rather than just, you know, continuing this loop, um, maybe there's some way that I can address my part in this, you know, is there some way I'm creating suffering for myself? And if there's some way I'm creating it, then there's some way I can stop creating it. There's some way I can be more free. And so that awakening, that insight is the, you know, in, in, in this picture, right, is the beginning of our practice. So we start with awakening. And then our practice is about, um, what does it mean? What's the kind of effort that it takes to express this, to actualize this, to um, be really, really, really honor and, and be and, and um, uh, manifest all of who we are. And um, 
I mean, sometimes I see this with children I know as, as, as they, as they grow up and develop and mature. And I've seen it with friends and, and the sense of like someone coming, really coming into their, it's sort of like becoming who they are. You know, it's like becoming, actually there's a great book by Irvin Yalom, who's a psychotherapist um, in Palo Alto. And he wrote a memoir called Becoming Myself. You know, and that's, uh, you know, I love that idea of this practice, becoming myself. So, and, and, and so what is the kind of effort that it takes to become myself? Um, this is from the, the, the Japanese Zen um, master Dogen. Realization is effort without desire. Realization is effort without desire. Clear water all the way down, a fish swims like a fish. Empty sky, transparent throughout, a bird flies like a bird. Read it again. Realization is effort without desire. Clear water all the way down, a fish swims like a fish. Empty sky transparent throughout, a bird flies like a bird. If we, if we want that fish to fly like a bird, <laughs> we're going to suffer. So a fish swims like a fish, bird flies like a bird, and a person, what does a person do? What does a person do? What is the, what is the natural expression of who we are? And, um, what, is, what is the effort that it takes to actualize that, to make that real, you know, is it, is it, is it criticizing ourselves? Is it beating ourselves up? Is it comparing ourselves to some other fish, some other bird? Um, I don't think the fish needs swimming lessons, you know, fish swims, you know, um, and so, so when I think about this, it's like, it's an effort that's infused with a lot of patience, a lot of kindness, um, a lot of trust, trust in who we are, trust that there's, there's something of value in showing up for ourselves, um, that we don't need to compare ourselves to anybody else, anything else where we're living our own life and we've had, our, we have our own conditioning, our own experiences, and um, and so, so, so honoring that, honoring who and what we are, um, and um, and sometimes you know I mean talk about patience and kindness, but sometimes it takes a fierceness, you know. Sometimes it takes a a real. Um, Um, you know, it doesn't look one particular way, you know, that we need to, sometimes we need to stand up for ourselves or um, draw healthy boundaries. Um, but um, I think, but I think when we practice in this way, um, it's like Gil talked about the journey and there's a certain effort it takes to, 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 to make each step of the journey, but it's like, what, what is it that each step itself is also expressing the goal, expressing who we are, you know, that it's like our life is not a means to an end. It's like the point of life is not, 
live a whole bunch of years and die. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know, just the way the point of going out for a nice meal is not to just, you know, get the check. Finish it. The point is to, is to enjoy it. Enjoy each bite, you know. And, um, uh, you know, that, and, and, and to honor each step of this journey. So it's like wherever we are in our journey, wherever we are on the path, I remember very early in my practice, um, Gil gave a teaching and, you know, quoting the Buddha or something, you know, saying um, that practice is good in the beginning, it's good in the middle, and it's good in the end. And this path is good in the beginning, it's good in the middle, and it's good in the end. And um, so... I'm going to stop now because we'll miss our dinner. Um, but just, you know, thank you for your effort. And, um, you know, um, that's a really honor that, um, that how we make effort, the quality of our effort is, is, is is valuable is important and is just as meaningful maybe more meaningful than you know some some goal some idea of, of where we end up so thank you very much